what up? Welcome to a podcast with Mo. I am Mo. This is episode 337. On this episode, I'm joined by Koopy. Talk about the Patreon, merch shop, COVID, books, TV shows, and movies. Thanks for checking us out. What up? We're joined by Koopy. Hi. Hello. Um, been a while. It's been a minute for sure. It's been um, a while. <laughs> I think I had you look it up and you said November. Yeah, I think the beginning of November was the last time you were on. Uh, it could have been October, but I'm pretty sure it was November. And I think someone wanted to come call in the first week of December and then it just, you know, snowballed from there. Um, I'm okay with taking a break. It gives me more to talk about, but. Yeah, there you go. Um. In case you don't know, I come on and talk about books. Yeah. So all y'all book lovers, though, I know this podcast attracts. <laughs> uh, get ready for that. Uh, we do have to talk about things that people keep people giving money, which is patreon.com slash podcast. You can go there and give a dollar or more a month to get early access to the podcast. If you give enough, you'll get shout out on this podcast to be a co-producer like my mother, Marshall, the Dharma Initiative Bear. It's your boy H2.com, Graveyard Entertainment, and the effed one, forgotten one. Mm. You know, I think he said that. So I saw him tweet that he likes that. Uh, his name's Forgotten One, but he likes the effed one. And I'm like, that's pretty fun. He said, it was, did we do it wrong for all this time? Right? No, no, he's he's newish um, to the Patreon uh, producer here. Um, but anyway, appreciate all them. And then we also have a merch shop at shop.spreadshirt.com slash a podcast. Mo, if you want a t-shirt, um, I haven't sold one of those in a long time. So I don't even know what the, the things up, up anymore. I guess I should, <laughs> I haven't logged in in months. So, uh, maybe I need to check that out. Um, but anyway, that's, that's the podcast news. Um, so yeah, we've been, uh, coveted up for the last week. Yes. I tested positive on Monday of last week. So it's been today's Sunday so it's been a full seven days but um we don't have work tomorrow you got your days all off but oh am I yeah today's Monday and we have oh you're right you're right (laughs) yep yeah we go back tomorrow um I still think the whole system and this isn't like at our employer or anything just the world uh because I was talking to my mom about it like it's just five days from when you test positive and how, how stupid that is because you could Let's say if you had COVID for five days, you know, depending on which day you tested it would be like when your quarantine starts. But yet they don't care about a negative test. So we'll just see. how it Right. Goes. It used to be 10 days, but the yeah. CDC has reduced it to five. Well, they want people to go to work and I'm not against going to work. It just seems like once you're in the middle of it, you're like, oh, yeah, this is kind of <laughs> dumb. And while our symptoms have been mild. I can report that I did lose my sense of smell and taste, which to me is a big deal. Right. It's weird once it happens to you. Like you don't really think about it being that big of a deal when people say that those are some symptoms. Then when it does, you're like, nothing tastes good. And nothing it doesn't taste bad, right? Good. Right. Nothing really tastes bad. So I guess it could be worse. It could definitely be worse. See, but if it happened to me, I would try to use it as an excuse to eat all the shitty healthy foods that I never But you can't eat. go to the store and buy anything. Yeah, it's true. So we've just been eating what we had around the house for the last week. And none of it was really healthy. <laughs> we had some broccoli that tasted like mush at one point. 
I like I mine enjoy, crispy. Yes, we have this argument. <laughs> I'm new to the broccoli game, but uh, let's make that shit soft. No. And then I can eat it with anything else. And you're like, it needs to be hard and crunchy. I don't want it necessarily raw, mm. but I do like it cooked with a little bit of crunch. When it was given to me earlier this week as mush, I felt like I was eating baby food. Nah, see, I just mixed it with my mac and cheese uh, and it was great. Why would you ruin your mac and cheese like that? Well, it's the type of mac and cheese I'm not the biggest <laughs> fan of in the first place. So oh, see, works. I thought the mac and cheese, even though it had no flavor, was comforting because it was warm and familiar. Right. But yeah, I can't smell or taste anything. And I love candles mm-hmm. and perfume. Well, I hope it, <laughs> you said you could kind of taste some pepper the other day in something. So maybe it's going to come back. I think that was the ramen. I could sense some pepper in the ramen. But it's like this. I could, I could, that might have been like a sm- it's like a texture type of thing, like with the salt on your tongue or, you know, yeah, You, I guess I can pick up on spices more than, but what would probably, I could probably eat like a jalapeno right now and it wouldn't affect me like it would have a, two weeks ago. I wonder if your scalp would still get hot. I mean, not a jalapeno, but you know, like when you like really spicy food, for instance, like when I eat those jalapeno like it chips. it makes you sweat. Yeah. And like kind of like my scalp starts to kind of sweat. And Maybe I'm like, that's Ooh. what we should get for lunch today. We can order Jimmy John's and I can get some jalapeno chips. There you go. <laughs> See just, how those go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I hope I get my sense of smell back. The way we kind of decided that I definitely needed to get tested was because I put on a bunch of perfume and lotion and couldn't smell it at all. Yeah, it was a lot. And you kind of were taken away by yeah, <laughs> how strong it was. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, I went and worked all day with that stinky perfume and never even knew. That's great. Love it. Uh, so anyway, we're basically over it. Uh, hopefully the world gets back to normal someday, but who knows? <laughs> That's where we're yeah, at. So we'll return tomorrow. We'll wear masks. We'll try our best to, you know, keep our distance for a few more days from people. But who knows? We could still be positive. Right. Yeah. All uh, right. Feels weird, but then again, um, you know, they say everyone's going to get this one, you know. So right. Just, so can't let the whole world shut down. We did. We did quarantine for a week. So I guess that's all you can do now. Um, yeah. And so normally. And I was vaccinated and boosted just to put that out there. So. Yeah. So that's how why you didn't die. According I to get, the, yeah. Everyone keeps saying, pro-vaccine. well, if you hadn't been vaccinated, this could have been a lot worse. I'm like, could it? I mean, it maybe, could have. But maybe. But that's only because they're. That's just another possibility. It's not guaranteed one way or the other, I don't think. Um, but yeah, now I think you're probably the most protected you can be. You're vaccinated, yeah. boosted, and you've had it recently. As long as I get my sense of smell and taste back, I'll be great. Well, maybe that's just, you know, I've always kind of thought this has something to do with the aliens because <laughs> they're releasing all the alien info during all this and uh, somehow getting COVID or getting the vaccine. Somehow. It's all tied to us getting used to whatever the aliens are going to have on them so that we can interact with the aliens. You know, that's my conspiracy. Well, theorist. I'm all about interacting with aliens. So if this just puts me one step closer to being accepted onto. Maybe you can't eat, You won't be able to taste human food anymore. But once you taste the alien food, it's like way better than it will be for me. They must know I'm a true believer. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's how you were targeted. They know I have a few doubts, but that's just because that's just my nature. Healthy skepticism. Yeah, it's good to have. Um, all right, so let's talk about some books and then we'll talk about a bunch of TV shows. Uh, right. Okay. So, um, for those who don't know, I set a book challenge every year and my goal for 2021 was, I think I originally set it at 36 books and partially because in the past two years, I just hadn't been reading as much as I did for a while. The most I've ever gotten up to, I think was 60. 
And so I really cut back on just reading and stuff because life is stressful. And sometimes you just need to watch shows and we'll get to shows in a minute. But this last year, I finished the year with 46 books. So that's 10 above my goal. So in November, I read uh, four. And then in December, I also read four. So I'm not going to talk about all eight books because that's a lot. But I am going to touch on a couple. Um, So the first one that I really loved in November was called There There. And I left this one at work. But here's a picture of it for you to see the cover because I know you like to see them. Yep. Um, It's called There There by Tommy Orange. And it's a novel. It's a debut novel that came out. Um, let's see. This was published in June of 2018. So it's been around for a few years now. And it's got instant literary merit and hailed like an instant classic. And so it's been on my radar for a while. And so I finally picked it up. And I... It was so good. I gave it five stars. It definitely went to my favorite books shelf on Goodreads. So since I don't have it with me and it's been a while, I'm just going to read the description off of Goodreads. because it's, it's been a while. <laughs> it's a short one. It's not too long. Um, but the book is called There, There. And here's the summary. It says, Tommy Orange's wonder- wondrous and shattering novel follows 12 characters from Native communities, all traveling to the big Oakland powwow, all connected to one another in ways they may not yet realize. Among them is Jackie Redfeather, newly sober and trying to make it back to the family she left behind. Dean Oxendean, pulling his life together after his uncle's death and working at at the powwow to honor his memory. 14-year-old Orville, coming to perform traditional dance for the very first time. Together, this chorus of voices tells the plight of the urban Native American, grappling with a complex and painful history, with an inheritance of beauty and spirituality, with communion and sacrifice and heroism. Hailed as an instant classic, There There is at once poignant and unflinching, utterly contemporary and truly unforgettable. And it was really good. Um, Growing up in Oklahoma, we obviously have a lot of exposure to Native American um, culture and heritage and so I did um, even though we grew up around that I still learned a lot from this right. book um, and it does reference Oklahoma specifically one of the characters I think it's the Jackie Redfeather girl she's coming from Oklahoma trying to get back to Oakland where she um, grew up she was put in she was brought to Oklahoma at one point and they talk a lot about you know the reservations and it, it may be just because my family but White and native, I've noticed a lot of Oklahoma and California connection. Maybe California mm-hmm. like that with a lot of states, but I just know like my family is from California, moved back to Oklahoma. But before that, I think they're from like, and I've met a lot of people, you know, that are like, oh, yes. Oklahoma has a really interesting history with California in general. When you go back to like the Great Depression, right. too, like a lot of Californians hate Okies. Like they just hate people from Oklahoma for good reason. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, was this, this would this be a book powwow would like because you know oh, yeah. reading for a while he would really appreciate and when it. you mention and not to be like racist about it but powwow he's going to be more inclined to read if it is about native stuff you know like he would definitely be the type. well i think he would definitely appreciate it and find connections with it and would be able to um do they in- use the word regalia oh yeah <laughs> i know so, well so one of the a couple of the kids are in foster care and one of them finds an old regalia in a closet and starts 
wearing it and it's like instantly just knows what to do. It's like just a part of his instinct. Right. So people that don't know, uh, Powell hates it when people call him outfits or, or costumes, costumes or anything like that. And so like, he had to use the word regalia. And then I know you've met native kids who don't use that term and you're like other natives would care a great deal. About right. It because I, there Powell was one time I was so having a conversation with, I was probably about this book and it was a young man who I said something about regalia. Uh, I think it was in November because November is now indigenous people's mm. month. And we were just talking about it because he said he had made his own moccasins because it's called rock your mocks week. And um, I said something about, do you also have a regalia? And he said, we don't call it that or something like that. And I'm like, oh, I didn't want to argue with him because right. I don't know. But um, it did seem counter um, to what we were raised with, with right. Paolo. So it is interesting. And I do think young people should read this, especially because I think they could right. learn a lot from it because we don't highlight the heritage enough. And uh, it was really sad, though. I will say there's some definitely some undertones of violence and it will break your heart. It's so sad, but it is really good. It's very good. Right. So I put that one at five stars. So that's why I wanted to talk about it specifically. And the next book was also, I tr tried to cho choose my best ones. Um, a five star read for me. It's called A Little Hope. This one was a surprising, came out of nowhere book for me. I didn't even know about it until it was advertised in my book of the month subscription. Um, it's by Ethan J Joella. Yeah. Jola. Jola. I'm not sure, but it's a short book. It takes place over a year and kind of like they're there. It follows a cast of characters um, all connected in various ways. Um, it says a luminous life affirming novel set in idyllic Connecticut town over the course of a year, a little hope follows the intertwining lives of a dozen neighbors as they confront everyday desires and fears, a lost love, a startled career, or I'm sorry, a stalled career, an illness and a betrayal. And it was just so beautifully written. It's very, you know, um, simple, I guess in a way, but it was very moving and I cried many, many times while reading this book. It was definitely a tearjerker, but in a good way, like it does all have a little bit of hope in it. So while it's a sad read, it does leave you feeling like good at the end. Right. And I don't know. I don't think I'll, I don't know anybody who's read this book, but it came out last November so I read it in the month it came out. So that's pretty good for me because sometimes these books stack up. <laughs> right. Yeah. But something about it was I was just drawn to it and I really liked it. And so I'm glad I read it. Well, hell yeah. I won't get too much into it because 12 characters are a lot. Right. But they all, yeah, like our neighbors and know each other and support each other. And it's like the Catterbury Tales. It kind of reminds me of um, Parenthood. Mm. The show. Because it's, it's a, a huge show. family. Speaking of Parenthood, we, that's when we should figure out where it's at and rewatch it. Yeah. It's it reminded me of that because it has a huge cast of characters, basically, and they all have very emotional lives, but it, right. it all is still very heartwarming, even though it's sad. So if you like that show, I think you would like A Little Hope. Cool. So yeah, I read both of those in November. Um, in addition to reading those in November, I'm not going to go into to detail, but I read one called The Maidens by Alex... 
Michelade. I don't know, something Italian, I think. But this author has been like a big thriller author for a while now. Wrote another book called The Silent Patient that I have not read. Um, So I picked this one up. Didn't really like it. So I don't know if I'll ever read The Silent Patient. And then, I don't know. There's another one I read in November, but I can't remember the order of them all. (laughs) So the next book I was going to talk about is called The Dutch House. It's a novel by Ann Patchett, and it's a Pulitzer Prize finalist. Yeah, you really like this one, I remember. I loved this book. And I have another one by Ann Patchett that I'm going to add to my list to read this year. But this one was so good. I read it in December, and it's a simple story. It follows um, a character named Danny Conroy, and his father is a man named Cyril Conroy. And Cyril was just kind of an everyday man who made himself rich through real estate. And he moves his wife and young family into this crazy house referred to as the Dutch house. And it's just very ostentatious and huge and elaborate. And it's just nothing that the the wife wants in a life. And so she ends up leaving and it's this story of a single father at first raising these two kids in the Dutch house. They're pretty wealthy and they live a comfortable life, but they're not spoiled brats. They're good kids. And then he meets a woman and marries her. So she's the stepmother. So I don't necessarily like that this book um, has the evil stepmother trope, but it was done well. Right. And she was an evil woman and she has two daughters of her own. And over time, she pushes the Conroy kids out of the house and her children become, you know, the the children of the house and have, you know, all the rooms and stuff. And when his father dies, this obviously leaves the family um, estranged from the, the stepmother and they lose the Dutch house and the kids just kind of grow up um, on their own with a little bit of help from a financial trust set up for education and so Danny goes to school to become a medical doctor even though he doesn't want to just because he knows it's going to drain the trust fund and the sister is bitter towards the stepmom but it was written so well you still like the characters the kids even though they're kind of spoiled brats but Danny Conroy you know he's likable enough I don't know it was a simple story but it was just beautifully written Oh, cool. And the Dutch house just kind of fascinated me. I looked up lots of pictures of what it could look like. And it's a really interesting architectural style. And there's one in Massachusetts that is beautiful. And so that's not where this book p- takes place. It takes place in Pennsylvania. But I kept picturing that one the whole yeah, time I The read. Dutch really got off scot-free in his history books. You know, like no one blames them for colonizing and taking over the world. But they're right there with all the, the Spanish and the See, English. I don't know a lot about Dutch Pennsylvania but I, or Pennsylvania Dutch, but I guess it's a big part of American history. Yeah. And I don't know much about it, but they just live in that Well, I want to say uh, New York was founded by the Dutch. Something. I mean, New York City. So, like, it's uh, there's a lot of history about the Dutch, but we just don't learn about it at all in America. <laughs> so, so none of the characters are in the book. That are like, they're not Dutch necessarily. Yeah, just the house. It's just the house that they live in is yeah. from that time. But they talk a lot about the people who built the home. So you do get a little bit of history there, which right. is what their life was like. Because the, the characters who grew up there are kind of obsessed with the portraits and stuff that were left behind. And the cover is a different portrait of the daughter in the book. But her name's Maeve, I think. 
<clears throat> and she has diabetes. So that was her storyline. Cool. Yeah, she's suffering. Oh, diabetes girl. Well, it's like, it's something about like when her mother left her and then came back and then left her again and made her come back. It kept making her sick and sicker and sicker and somehow it developed into diabetes from trauma. It doesn't sound scientifically accurate. They explained it using psychology. I don't know. I don't think you can placebo yourself into having diabetes, but I could be wrong. If you suffer a mental breakdown, I do think it can cause a hormonal imbalance and stuff in your body. I think your body would have to quit producing insulin. Well, then that would be you would just be diabetic. But some people aren't diabetic their entire life. Like you acquire it. Yeah, you can lose weight and get back on track, stuff like that. Um, But anyway, I mean, I'm no doctor, but I'm just pretty sure. Someone coming and leaving you is going to cause you to become diabetic. It seems I don't know if that's actually like what caused it, but they said that it was in sync with her mother's leaving her. And so they feared that if she ever came back and did it again, it would kill her. And so they told her to never return so that she could stay strong. I see. Interesting. Yeah. But the main character is actually Danny. So he just talks about his sister a lot. Cool. Yeah, it was a good book. I really enjoyed it. I know I did not describe it with justice. I should have just read the sleeve, but it was a long description and I know we're running out of time. So moving on to my next and last book to discuss, it is called A Gentleman in Moscow. I'm not sure how to say this author's last name. I would say Tolls. Amor Tolls. Yeah. He wrote um, a couple of books that are also like really popular the rules of civility he has one out right now called lincoln highway and so i was like finally i just need to i just need to know who this guy is so i picked up a gentleman in moscow because it was his first big hit and it was good i don't think it was necessarily five stars um like a lot of people gave it i think i gave it four it was really well written but i wasn't like oh that was really earth shattering in any way but it's set in 1922 Ish. It actually takes place over his entire life, but it opens up in 1922 with this character um, named Count Alexander Rostov. And it says in the back of the book that he was deemed unrepent- an unrepentant aristocrat by a Bolshevik tribunal. And he is sentenced to a house arrest in the Metropole, a grand hotel near the Kremlin. And so it's just his life being um, sentenced to live in this hotel and he observes all of the different people who come and go and stay. And he actually ends up having a very exciting life, even though he's like confined to this little apartment in the attic. Right. But he meets all kinds of people. He kind of becomes a father in a way um, to a young girl who was not of his creation, but was, you know, left in his charge and, you know, it has romance and he meets all kinds of interesting people. And it was really beautiful. It was well written. Um, but yeah, a lot of people love this book and say it's one of the best they've ever read. Right. So if you are interested in a little bit of Russian history. This I do be enjoy a good Russia. One. I think Russia stuff, Russian stuff's cool. Yeah, there is a lot of really interesting stuff about the um just the different politics that was happening at the time and different theories on how the government should be ran. Right. I think that's what makes Russia interesting is they've had so many uh, just complete changes mm-hmm. many times. We're like, all right, restarting, starting a new one. 
Whereas we always are like, we just kind of, we switch what our government is, but we call it the same thing, right? Like we all pretend it's the same thing from the beginning, but Russia's like, no, no, this ain't the shit from a hundred years ago. Mm -hmm. We're changing this. (laughs) This is new. We're having a revolution. Yeah. I think it's interesting. Yeah. So A Gentleman in Moscow, that one I've read in December. It was really good. And um, I'll be reading Rules of Civility soon. So that one um, will be in the future podcast. Well, cool. Um, so how many books are you reading this year? I think I set my goal at 50. You going to be able to do that one? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Life happens. Yeah. Things get in the way, but I think I put it back up to 50 cause I got close 46 this year. So it felt like a little bit of a challenge. Well, you went through a slump where you didn't read hardly anything last year. And then you went through some, like you read a whole bunch. Yeah. Like I'd had, well, like last this in 2021, my grandfather died and all of April, I just read one book. And that's not like me. Normally, I read at least three. Right. But I just didn't have the focus. I just wanted to watch comedy shows on TV. Right. So, yeah, sometimes life happens and, you know, things just get in the way. But I had already had a low challenge. So even when I only read that one book, I felt like I would still get to 36. And I did. I mean, I got to 46. Right. So it wasn't really much of a challenge last year. Well, good job on your off year. Yeah. So hopefully this year I'll get to 50. I have a lot of books I already own that I haven't read. So I know I say it all the time, but I still I would love to get into reading. I think I just got to take out video game time and replace with some reading time because there are certain books I, I want to get to that I own. And then I've had this real weird desire lately to reread Ayn Rand books. And then I want to read atlas shrug because that's like her masterpiece and i've never read it but i've read every other book she's wrote and i think she's great and i get tired of like republican people like trying to champion her and i'm like she's like an atheist and doesn't believe in charity and like all this stuff that republicans are all for and they would preach it's like you you don't even know these books so like i like being like well versed in them so that every time i see someone bring it up i'm like you don't know yeah we have very different tastes in books i I, i've should read those as well but i don't know if i I mean well I've ever done a top five favorite books, and I don't think you could do that. I think it'd be too mm-hmm. hard for you to do. <laughs> I could probably pull it off. Uh, I mean, Fountainhead is in my top five favorite books because it was like the only one that stuck with me from high school. Well, Watership Down did too, for some reason. Those yeah, fucking rabbits. Really liked that one. Um, but it stuck with me, and like the main character, I think, kind of based what I wanted my personality to be like as an adult. I'm like, oh, this Howard Work guy's all autistic and fucking like fuck the man, and I like that about him, you know, and I, I enjoyed it a lot. And I think it's funny. My liberal English teacher made us read it and loved it. And I'm like, it's now like just the Bible for conservatives. And you're like, so funny how it's yeah changed. But well, and a lot of, of course, Anne Rand is a very controversial figure herself. Yeah. She just came from communism and said, fuck that. Well, she's anti-communism. Well, she's also pro eugenics, which I know you have yeah. some interesting I mean, thoughts on that too. Yeah. But. Here's my thoughts on <laughs> eugenics is I think got hijacked by a bunch of dumb white people. Um, not saying all white people are horrible, but like they were like, they were just trying to prove that white people were the best race. But that's obviously, I think in the science, you're going to see that's probably not the case. Cause you're like black people have fast twitch muscles and white, not all white people do. Some do. There's like rare, moments. but yeah, I think she was pro white eugenics. I don't know. Was she white eugenics? I know in, in fountainhead, the way I remember it is she's just very much like go out and earn it yourself and quit helping people. So I think that could be construed as being racist. Cause like, if you're not helping someone lower or whatever, but I don't remember any of her characters being racist, you know, like in the actual books. I can't remember them having moments where they look down on people of lesser race. Yeah, you'll just have to reread them. But 
uh, I remember just really enjoying the books. And it's all about architecture and shit. And, yeah, I see. That just sounds boring to me. Architecture. I mean, like, I guess the Dutch house was about a cool house specifically. Well, I don't like but talking about how they do it. I mean, it's just their occupation. You read a book where it's like a dentist and it's like, oh, well, they're going to be drilling teeth. No, it's just an occupation. It's like the background mm. to the story. Uh, anyway, I would, so I guess I'll say I'll recommend Fountainhead. But someday I want to read that. But I have like, what, six other books that I need to read before yeah, I can ever. Yeah, you've been getting one for Christmas every year for a few years now. And I haven't been reading them. So, <laughs> so maybe this is the year I get back into reading. I think it would really help my music out. Uh, I remember because when I came back to writing music after I hadn't in five years, but I hadn't been reading a lot, it was so easy. It was just like, I mean, you could. Yeah. I don't know. It helped the writing process. Um, so we're watching lots of TV shows, maybe. I mean, yeah, not really. Not a lot. Well, not a lot. But we have a lot of lists because since November, um, we finished The Big Bang Theory, which I predict we'll probably never watch again. Yeah, it's definitely not as good. I think this might have been considered a second watch through. Well, we used to watch it when it aired. And now back when I used to illegally download stuff before I lost all of it and then gave that up. Uh, we used to have the first few seasons. And I remember you, we would watch them every now and the then. The first few seasons are funny. Ish. What really sticks out now, <laughs> what really sticks out now is if there's the laugh tracks and the fact that like. They laugh at stuff that I just don't think the average person would get. You know, like, I know what the Fibonacci sequence is because I had to take all these stupid math classes where you had to learn that shit. But, like, the average person watching the show and the audience isn't going to laugh at that. You know, and there's just a lot of moments like that where I think it just takes me out of it for some reason. (laughs) I don't know why. For me, I just didn't like how tropey the characters are. And, like, Penny is just there to be rude and pretty. Right. Well, and... Yes, it's the exact opposite. Pro- like, The Office is great, in my opinion, because I like every character. You know, and like, there's certain shows like that. You're like, I like every character. Yeah. And The Big Bang Theory, I like almost no characters. Right. Like, it's like you, <laughs> for one episode, this guy will be your favorite character. But in the next episode, you're like, no, he's super annoying. I would. Right. And so it's kind of frustrating because there isn't consistency, except for maybe in Sheldon. But his character is better in the beginning than it is in the end. Yeah. And then they go on and make young Sheldon, who's a way sweeter character. And you're like, this guy can't grow up to become the Sheldon yeah. from Big Bang Theory. Yeah. And like, I don't know. It's so weird. And but, Amy Fair Fowler could have been great, but they ruined her. Yeah. If she could have, if I know they didn't know, but if she could have came in with the same personality she ends with, it would have helped a lot more. But she came in as a robot person. She's and like Sheldon's in Mirror. Yeah. And didn't even want to go on dates. And then all of a sudden she's boy crazy and obsessed with strippers. And, and she's always been boy crazy. You know what I mean? She'd be like, I remember back when I was. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, well, there was a time when your mother had to force you to go on a date. Yeah. I don't know. It was all just weird. Not consistent at all. The writers did not care about plot inconsistencies. Yes. So, yeah, we'll probably never watch it. Maybe we'll re- get into Young Sheldon because it's on HBO. But. Right. Um. Also, somewhere still currently watching, mm-hmm. but I have it on this list, is The Sopranos. Yeah, we like that quite a bit. Well, this whatever season we're on, I think we're on season four. I think so. And we're about, we have one episode left, season four, I think. And um, the beginning of the season, I was like, I think it's kind of falling off. I mean, I remember that was, I told you, I was like, this isn't that good. I thought there were episodes were slow, but the later half of it has been really good. Like a lot's happened, you know? Yeah. So it's like, okay, I see. They done like a setup and then payoff thing or whatever, but. Yeah, they usually say like so in the I don't know how many seasons there are, but usually like there's three seasons that go together pretty well. And then there's like a transition season and then there'll probably be three more seasons. Does that sound about right? I don't know how many there are. I'm not sure. But yeah, we'd like to see some more in 
Italy. So yeah, they only did a couple of episodes in Italy. Right. And I, I've heard on podcasts, there are a lot of episodes in Italy, so I'm guessing they have to go back, but, um, no, I'm not, I'm not sure. But anyway, Sopranos is good. Um, looks like I feel weird that we waited so long to watch it, but here it was for us to watch now. So yeah. Worked out. And I think a lot of people aren't watching it these days. Like, I mean, it was really popular a long time ago, but I don't think anybody really thinks about right, it. Now. But like for, I think someone like me that loves like the wire and dead, like I enjoyed all that era and I just was like, no Soprano. I just <laughs> didn't watch it for some reason. So, uh, see, I remember my parents renting it on VHS from blockbuster and then being like shunned to my room for the evenings as well. They watched Sopranos. So I always, always one intrigued by it and wanted to know more about it. But I never really had the opportunity until we, of course, now have HBO on right. demand. So I'm glad we did it. Uh, the next one I have on my list here is something that came out, I think, in November. Big Mouth. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. It's creepy. It's, I, it's okay. It's what's happened. I mean, I loved it at first. You know, I really enjoyed it at first. It's just the same thing every season. Yes. Now. I know, love the very characters and who they are. I think they're funny. Right. But like the episode to episode... Right. And I think that's a big problem I have with a lot of adult animation, because uh, there's other ones I'll get to eventually that I'm like, I don't know. Like, I like the characters, like Bob's Burgers, for instance. I like the characters. Mm-hmm. Could give a fuck less about any new episodes. I'm just like, okay, whatever. I don't know. And that's why we'll never catch up on Bob's Burgers. That was on my yeah, list. Yeah, we're a like, whole season behind. Maybe that. more. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, Big Mouth is good. I mean, I recommend it. It's just, it's just the same thing over and over. And I can't it- get behind some of the weird, like, it is, I, I, are kids that sexual? I don't remember being that sexual as a kid but i definitely was i definitely was okay um and i would say most of my friends that were boys were so the whole pillow guy really uh, bothers yeah. me i didn't i didn't have any friends that were fucking pillows but i mean what they're in junior high all my friends were so. jacking off i mean every one of them so <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't weird Gross. So, <laughs> uh and another adult animation that stood the test of time it's over now and it continually is great is f is for family oh yeah we like that one that that's a, i mean that's a top two that's gonna be like top of the list i mean it's gonna be up there like right behind king of the hill probably for me it's that good um i really like bill burr i enjoy the character it's written like a sitcom, so like the characters have development. You know, they're not just they don't just reset at the beginning of every episode. And so there's something about that that I think makes right. it it's yeah, like, like an animated Rick Wonder Morty, Years. Or, Rick and Morty, you can watch an episode. Ah, they kind of grow though. Season three, they have like they're they have awareness of what they've done before. But the episodes don't carry over. Right, but they have awareness of what they've done. Whereas in like The Simpsons or something like that is completely serial. Like they have they barely even reference anything that's happened before. Or like trailer park boys, you know, it's just it's yeah. its own episode. Like, it doesn't matter. Um, anyway, I don't know why I was getting hung up on that part, but got to get back to my list. Uh, the Great, we watched on Hulu. Yeah, see, a lot of these are not on my list. You yeah, did no. not share your list with me. Um, yeah. The Great, I totally forgot about that. We watched season two. Mm-hmm. I th- I mean, it's probably my favorite show on Hulu, I would say. It's funny. I mean, there's not a lot of shows on Hulu. I know. That's, that's what I'm going to get to. It's the one I want to cancel is Hulu. Because, but the great is the one that saved it. I really liked time. what was that show I watched years ago with the prostitutes in England? Harlots. Harlots. I liked Harlots a lot, but then it just dropped. Yep. So they have that on the back burner if you guys are interested. And Handmaid's in Tell was good until we just quit watching it sometimes. I think we've quit season three. Yeah. But, uh, Anyway, the Great is set in Russia. Like we show, we like Russia. And um, Catherine the Great, who's German, comes over to Russia and basically becomes the queen. And then Nicholas Holt is her 
husband king and he's really fucking funny but an idiot and so it's basically how she's a genius and ruthless and he's an idiot but funny and and at this point he's like in love with her and she could do no wrong even though she's mean and cruel and hates him yeah wants him dead so it's funny it's dakota fanning who right. plays and the loosely is yours on l fanning is oh it? yeah you're right I get them mixed up. The yeah. younger one. And uh, it's basically loose on history. You know, like I'm sure they've changed a lot of stuff, but more or less, it is based on like the historical thing that happened. Um, like she did commission the first roller coaster, for example, and that comes up in season two. Right. But it's really, really funny. But I think you have to, it is a certain type of humor. You know, it is a, a intelligent silliness. It's, it's like a Conan O'Brien right. thing. Like, yeah. It's, like something. it's obviously slapstick in some sense it's very physical right there's a lot of maybe dumb humor but it's done in an intelligent off like we yeah, know they we're all have british dumb. accents which is weird because it's set in russia but it's well that's how you were just teach taught to speak i think that was part of elocution classes it could have been, could have been. Um, but yeah of course they'd all be speaking russian probably right. and uh Another spoke English Hulu show we watched because uh, the second British. half of the second season was Pin 15. Yeah. And so that's another Hulu show we enjoy, but I feel like it has run its course already. Yeah, I feel like I'm like, what else can they do? And I, I'm i just so curious how they get away with making out with kids. <laughs> well, in this newer one, they date high school guys that I think are probably adults. Maybe. You know? The kids just seem so young and they're obviously a grown up. Right. The reason we enjoy it is it is based in the year we were in school. So or like one of our two years. I, can't, I remember I did the math one day. But like they're in eighth grade, whether when I was in eighth grade or you were in eighth grade, you know, one of those yeah. years. And so the music and the clothes and just everything about it, you're like, oh, I, mm-hmm. I remember it so well. It's I remember it so well. Um, so that does make me like it. But humor wise, it's like they've kind of are just treading the same water, you know. The yeah. Asian one thinks she's ugly and wants a boyfriend. The other one thinks she's ugly and wants a boyfriend. But she doesn't think she's as ugly as the age. You know, I mean, but that is all you care about in junior high. Right. So, I mean, I guess it fits with the you know who the characters are but yeah it's 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 funny but it's awkward right so uh if you need a comedy like that one um one of my favorite shows on hbo is how to with john wilson which today was the first time you've ever pronounced <laughs> the name right before we started i can never get like how to, i don't even know what is I call it with nathan nathan for you is what i kept wanting to call it i'm like that's a totally different show that i also <laughs> love but it's not it has it's not even close to this one uh yeah how to with john wilson is amazing it's also weird silly humor and there's something artistic about it. It's a I documentary think. style. Yeah. So he just goes around New York filming stuff. But then after the fact, in my mind, how his creative process works is he goes through all of his fe- his footage he's taken. And then he just kind of collages an episode together. Uh, and I don't know. There's something about it that's just great. Um, and he does like a monologue it's over clever. it. pretty clever. Yeah. And it's uh, really good. And then he has, um, I mean, this is still season one, but I still can't get over the guy with his foreskin restoration. Oh, this old man inviting to his house <laughs> connects the thing to his dick. Lays like naked in bed. Like weights. It's a pulley system up to his headboard. And it's like, you do this and it'll grow back your foreskin. And then the John Wilson guy is like Morty. He's like an adult Morty. And so <laughs> he's so like, awkward. Like, oh, wow. OK, yeah. All right. And, and he's he, just behind the camera. So he's and like he acts totally unfazed by this guy who's yeah. laying in bed with his 
And to this guy, he's just a New Yorker thinking this might be his big break to get his product out there. So it's just so great. And uh, that was the episode about scaffolding, because what's foreskin, if not the scaffolding (laughs) of a penis? That's right. (laughs) That's how it all connected. I also the episode that really stuck out to me is the one where he ends up in Florida and he keeps running into or no, it's is it New Orleans? No, it's a spring break thing. I can't remember where he is, but it's scaffolding. I think it's the same episode because he goes down to Louisiana or New Orleans and he talks about the balconies that he does go to New Orleans on that. But I don't think that's the spring break one. It might be. But the spring break when he's in like a beach, New Orleans doesn't have a beach like that. I mean, there's like white sand. It's coastal, though. Yeah, but not like I mean, that looked like he was at a spring break MTV spring break thing. I know he was. Maybe I am mixing them together. But the kid that he kept running into was funny yeah it's it's really good uh but it is odd you know it's not it's different but i like it a lot uh another thing we watch which was a couple movies we watched the bob ross documentary finally mm-hmm. yeah that was interesting see i got really into bob ross when they put off or they put a few of his episodes on netflix it's a smart they got ready for the documentary and then i started watching it at night and you just watch bob ross do some paintings and then he's like god damn this dude's so good at doing paintings you know and i was just so impressed and then this documentary comes out and some people claim it ruins Bob Ross's legacy. And I watched it and was like, I don't understand how that is the case at all. It does nothing but talk great about Bob Ross. And then it just comes to be like he I mean, has a business partnership. It, may, it might make you feel guilty for watching this show because he didn't really. He's not getting his family isn't making the money anymore. It's basically the issue. Right. Uh, but I mean, you can still watch him like he's great. Yeah, whatever, he but, personally didn't do anything wrong. It was just the people who ran his. Yeah, studio. there's this there's this old woman that he's been partnered with forever, and they make the Bob Ross paint and canvas and paintbrushes and all that, and they like have his likeness, but it doesn't go to his kid. Now his kid was on the show, and he's like on this documentary, and I left it thinking, well, he we should just get his kid a show. Like, why doesn't his kid just redo this show where it's him, you know, Michael Ross or whatever? Well, he did talk about how it's not what he wanted to do. Uh, Well, he's really good. He's just as good as his dad. Well, his dad, you know, I think maybe that's what people didn't like. He didn't mention that his dad kind of pushed him into being on the show and like wanted him to take it over. But that wasn't what he wanted to do. But his hope was that his son would take over. But now his son and his friend, who was his partner. They are go. They go around the country doing the same thing that they did. So they've gotten there eventually, but because that's how it kind of ends. But anyway, I enjoyed Bob Ross, so I thought it was pretty good. Uh, we watched a movie on Amazon Prime called "Being the Ricardos." Which yeah, is, I fell asleep. I think at some point I was yeah. not feeling well. I guess, but we um, watched that, and I thought it was pretty good. Except some of the, the guy who played. Ricky was a poor casting choice. Yeah, he was too big. Too big, too old, not ch- handsome like yeah. Ricky. So that one was off. And I I mean, Nicole Kidman pulled off uh, Lucille Ball, but I would have preferred an unnamed, a known, an unknown person. Because I yeah. can't actually, well, that's Nicole Kidman. Oh, Whoever did Ethel and Fred Mertz, those two were pretty good. Yeah. Well, J.K. Really Simmons good. did uh, Fred. Okay. I don't, I don't know who that is off the top of my head. Yeah, you do. But I mean, <laughs> if you thought real long and <laughs> I'm bad with names. I was going to say he's J- Jonah Jameson on Spider-Man, but you just told me the other day you I didn't see Spider-Man in high school. I was like, what? Spider-Man. <laughs> you didn't see the original one? Um, but yeah, he was on Whiplash and Oz and uh, I watched Thank a You little for Smoking. J.K. Simmons is in all kinds. Of, he's the State Farm guy. They're like, we know things will happen because we're prepared. I say he looks kind of just generic, but yeah, like a State Farm guy. I could see that. Um. Maybe it's not state. Maybe it's the other ones, but you know, yeah, those fucking insurancers. Uh, and then we watched 
You watch a bunch of Harry Potter? Yes. Well, there was... I love Harry Potter. I grew up on Harry Potter. So I will always love Harry Potter, even in the world where people are trying to cancel at least J.K. Rowling. I don't think people want to cancel Harry Potter. I just want her quotes. I want someone to give me the quotes that people are mad about because... It's her into a Dave Chappelle thing. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're I do just agree. Like, I do agree. They're like, well, she's hate. She hates him. What'd she say? Well, you know. And you're like, well, show me the quote. And you're like, but yeah, there's a thing. I mean, she, she said. basically said that trans women are not real genetic women. To my memory, and again, it's all memory because I don't have the code for me. It was someone. She, and she said something. They go, you mean women with vaginas? And she goes, well, no, women. I don't have to make because she was right. She made some thing comment of like, shut the fuck up, you know. We can. And so people want to call her a turf, which is a radical feminist, right. Who doesn't accept trans. I just want that people. guy in Harry Potter game to come out. But I don't know if she's really that hate, like spiteful towards right. transgender I people. I think she just is a true biologist when it comes to gender and sex, and she doesn't necessarily think that you can grow up with different. It's already come back. I mean, this is a small tangent, but it's already come back on itself. I saw a TikTok the other day of someone being like, you know, but, you know, real, like a trans person said, but real men. And then a trans man was like, oh, I'm not a real man. So it's even like in fighting in their own thing. So, I mean, it's right. just, it's, 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 you can't use these words. I know. Like, <laughs> so. even as I'm over here trying to describe her ideas, I'm like, I'm digging myself in right, a hole. <laughs> like, just... I don't know exactly how to, but anyway, back to Harry Potter. Yeah. I do like the series and, um, the movies uh we had like a our, i had a marathon of them leading up to the reunion that was coming out on hbo on january 1st so pretty much my new year's eve was watching the last few harry potter movies because i had been trying to get yeah. them in that week and we liked i i really enjoyed the reunion i thought it was interesting it wasn't necessarily a, it wasn't what i had thought it would be it wasn't quite like friends i don't think they should call it a reunion they should have just called it the harry potter 2021 special or something like cuz it yeah. was it was like Five minutes with these people and five minutes with this person. But it wasn't what you would think of, I don't think, as a reunion. Right. They just kind of just went down memory. Like, they paired Harry with the director, and he was sat with the director most of the time. Yeah, you learned some interesting stuff. And then Hermione and Ron sat together quite a bit. But, yeah, or Emma and Rupert, whatever. But... I enjoyed that. And then I didn't even realize they were going to have that game show and it just kind of popped up out of nowhere. And, yeah, so the, and Helen Mirren was the host, which is yeah, crazy. It's a Hogwarts house championship house tournament of champions. I think yeah. is what they call it. I was all team Slytherin because that's where I go. And um, I'm Ravenclaw. Duh. But Ravenclaw did not do well. Nope. But that's okay. You can't win them all. And I felt like they should have mixed up the contestants each episode. I didn't like that they because they had three contestants for each house when they play i don't think it was as random as you thought probably not i think that's a big part of it oh well they made it look like they just chose random envelopes but, but even if it was random after those people get there and they win and go on the next round you can't tell them well, you can't do it now because they want if the next people suck then you're like oh we fucked up anyway uh Harry Potter stuff, though, you were definitely loving it. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm ready for the Harry Potter video game. They might come out this year. And then you rather you're going to play it or I'm going to play as you. One of the two. And I am also currently reading the illustrated version of Harry Potter. I have the they're the first four books have been released illustrated. <coughs> so I'm going to reread those. And I think the fifth one's coming out this year. Yeah. Oh, cool. What uh, else? Anything else? Yeah. A bunch. Sex oh. in the City. Oh, and just like that. Mm hmm. 
It's uh, the new chapter of Sex in the City. Fucking sucks, is my opinion. I don't think it sucks as bad as everyone makes it out. I think it represents a different time in their life. It makes sense that it wouldn't be as funny as their I'm saying the years. acting. Oh, and just the watching of it. You're like, this is all cringe and corny. And I can I'm beside Kim Cattrall when she said, we just don't need to do it. It's over. Apparently, that's all her only issue was it's done. There's no need to bring this back. Yeah, it wasn't even like over anything else. And I kind of agree with they're watching it. Uh, I think Charlotte looks the best. Probably she's aged the best. Not that we should necessarily judge that. But when people are like, could you believe these women are the same age as the Golden Girls? And I watch them like, yeah. <laughs> their eyes look exactly I mean like it's all in the their hair's fancy and shit but uh, I don't know I just watched it and I keep thinking it's kind of corny and cringy and it's like leads into like the non-binary character and then they're gonna have a relationship it's just so uh, woke for woke sake that I just don't like it but well I'll always love Carrie Bradshaw and I don't hate it good I'm glad you're enjoying it um <laughs> And then you watch a show called Emily in Paris. Yeah, another show a lot of people hate that I think is cute. <laughs> I mean, it's not bad. I, mean, I, th- I enjoy the f- the French are mean to the American. That's basically the whole humor of the show. But it's, if you're watching that show because you're looking for something serious and well done, then you're you're just not. I mean, I think the enough. show is for people that like <laughs> high end fashion. Yeah, I mean, it's all of it's. She works for a luxury marketing company, and she was like a. Instagrammer, social media person in Paris. Like, it's not a serious. Well, and it's also like this sort of, it's of talking about, there's a political message behind it. There is a little, yeah. it's, but it's very slight. And it's something you don't see much, which is this uh, corporate capitalism is destroying boutique capitalism, you know, but it is still capitalism and capital. But they're like, the French are like, we don't need your fucking big corporations. And then they're like, actually, you do, motherfucker, because you're going broke. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like so. the Americans have come in and bought this French company and, trying to tell them how to run their French market when they know nothing about French culture. And it has a good um, ensemble of characters. They're all pretty um, superficial, I guess, but. Right. But there's some funny one. I like the, I don't really root for the romance though. Like people would maybe expect. I don't really care about her being with the chef. I think her job stuff's way more yeah. entertaining than her romance stuff. I agree. But they did have the little English guy. You know, he came yeah. in the season. He's a fun um, character. Albie was his name, I think. Yeah, but I don't think he's going to be around much in the next season. But I think it's gotten uh, secured for two more seasons. Cool. And we watched, we restarted, because we watched it before, the Jeffrey Epstein documentary mm-hmm. on Netflix called Filthy Rich. I think we have one more episode of that on our rewatch. And it was really because we watched it like the day it came out, beginning of COVID or whatever. And a lot's happened since then. And I'm pretty heavy on the whole. He was connected to the intelligence agencies in some way. And that's how he got off on all this. So as I've rewatched it through, I keep thinking this is the story they want you to think. Like someone approved this or it's still or it wouldn't be on Netflix. Right. Like so all this stuff is like probably somewhat true. I think this is what they used to throw him under the bus and make him just seem like he's a complete deviant you know and all that because they're trying to get him away from the fbi and cia so like i've tried that's how i've i have viewed all this because a lot it of still it does make everybody look sketch though right like all the district was, attorney the state attorney um yeah. no that was a alex acosta i think was the uh federal uh, general attorney or some shit i don't know it was a big deal but yeah he might have been just the state well they I mean, there's two it's alex acosta and then there was another person on this state level i think in california yeah. 
Um, they talked about some people in Florida and then different people in California and how it basically once it gets up to the FBI level, they shut it down. Yeah. And then so like where, where we're at, because see, people don't know Epstein did uh, get charged or almost charged with, um, you know, pedophilia and all this stuff, uh, improper sex with the minor. And then what ended up happening was they just ch- changed it to uh, prostitution charges. So so like, yes, it, well, he did pay them. And that was his that's basically his loophole out was he's like, I'm going to pay them. They're prostitutes. And then they won't think of them as minors, or at least that. And that's how it worked. No one thought of it. It wasn't minors on a piece of paper. It was just a prostitute. And so that's he got a slap on the wrist more or less for that. But the girls are 14, 15. You're right. And he's also trafficking them across states. Yeah. And then these girls are given, you know, countries. accounts of how he's, you know, walking with five underage girls behind him through an airport. No one's saying. And anything. there was one weird story about some French girls that were flown in for just a 24 hour. Right. So and I think all this stuff, um, I'm not saying it did or didn't happen. I don't fucking know. But yeah, probably all did. Right. You know, but I do think. They don't touch on the whole like, and he had the rich and famous people here because they were trying to blackmail them. You know, like, I think there has to be more to it uh, than there. Well, I don't think all of it was probably done against their will. I'm sure there are a lot of politicians who went and or people in general who went and, and willingly well, and participated. One thing that stuck out to me because I'm always like when they mentioned Bill Clinton on it and they're like, and Bill Clinton, and then they cut the girl going, and not every person that was there did sexual stuff. And I was like, see, cause they, they had to have that in cause they got to cover Bill Clinton. Cause they just, they hired the Obamas and all these other people to be on the, Netflix. The same impeachment attorney who handled Clinton's impeachment is the one who represented yeah, the defense. Epstein. Right. So, or the, created his defense team. Yeah. And then, to me, also, I remember this when we first watched it of like the Epstein connects the Trump and the Clintons to me. And it's like they they done this big show, Hillary versus Donald. But really, they're, they're all be- the same. They're all part. best friends on yeah. the side and all that. And you're they all being were, played. at least in the 90s. Yeah. So it it's fun to watch. Um, we tried. I searched all day for the loose change documentary. Yeah, we can't find it. They don't want us watching that. And they took it off all the easily streaming sites. There might be a chance it's on IMDb streaming site, but I wasn't going to buy one just for that. And then I went to go like, let's check the old illegal download places. Nowhere. And I was like, damn, they're really scrubbing this one. And there's YouTube videos of people claiming it's parts of it, but I don't know. And you thought that maybe the director was trying to pull it. Like maybe he yeah. was. Well, there was some interview against it now. That he said he felt like it led to people voting for Trump years later. And he made this shit like way a long time ago. And it's like, I don't know any Trump fan who's also a 9-11 truther. You know, they're typically different. I mean, that I'm sure there are some. doesn't cross much. Yeah, there are some. But in general, where we're at, the Trump fans are American-loving fans. You know, they're not the... And even extreme or people who would consider themselves liberal here don't like the idea that... Yeah, yeah. In Oklahoma, you do not say 9-11 was an inside job, regardless of what side you're on. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, well, actually, if you look at this, this, and then people are like, shut up. No, they do not appreciate <laughs> that idea here. Yeah. You come across as totally anti-American, and how could you ever consider that? Yeah. And you're like, well, it's our days in Pearl Harbor. And I'm like, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we also, a show we just started, and the last two I have here are just things we're currently watching, um, Afterlife with Ricky Gervais. It's so good. It's very good. If People don't know. We love Ricky Gervais. And now conservatives have come on board after he got, gave his Golden Globe speech. But he's been just great forever. You yeah. Know? We've always loved. He's that. funny. And we liked his. We like you used to watch his video podcast. Yeah. The Ricky Gervais show. Um. Well, I was thinking. And then there was the one with his friend. Where An his, idiot abroad. Idiot abroad was funny. <laughs> and. Derek is another Ricky Derek, Gervais show. Derek's great. And we talked about the other day, me and you, of 
he's playing a mentally challenged person. And when you first see it, you're like, there's no way he doesn't do something super offensive. When you just know who Ricky Gervais is. Yeah, when you just know like he, he is in the character. But you're like, no, he pulls it off. And you almost cry every episode. He's such a genuine person and he's not trying to be offensive. He wants to have a commentary about. Right. He just has a gr- humanity. And he's a way better actor, I think, than you think yeah. of, you know. And then, but I do think he's also kind of just himself. Right. True. And then Afterlife, his new show is uh, his wife has died. And this is how he deals with it afterwards. And he has these videos on his laptop. Yeah, that she's, she found out she was diagnosed. They started recording all these videos. Last few years. Yeah. And then he kind of dates, but not really this other, you know, and you feel he bad for that girl. He's a companion, but he's not ready for love. And it's just a small English town. It mean there's the plot's nothing, but like it's just something about it's so good, you know. And you just he runs watch it. or works as a journalist, an investigative journalist for a crappy newspaper for a free for a free community paper. And um, it's just yeah, him just interviewing odd people and the odd people he works with. And you got to kind of enjoy British humor because a lot of it it's not very subtle. Yeah, Gervais isn't a lot of British humor, but the people he talks to are like super British humor. You know, if that makes sense. And there was one scene in the second episode, and when we were like, these people are—they just look like they belong in an old-timey set, but they're yeah. all in modern clothes. I don't know. It's yeah. The character uh, casting is interesting. Yeah. Uh, so I would really recommend it. I know a lot of people probably wouldn't love it, but uh, we like it a lot. And then uh, Righteous Gemstones on HBO is another one. I love this. I appreciate it more the second watch than we watched season one again in preparation for season two. And I think I appreciated it more the second watch than right. I did the first. And that's how I was with Vice Principles as well, which is Danny McBride's last show. Um, I remember the first time we watched it, I just was like, that's OK. But the second time I was like, ah, oh, this is great. You know, it just took a second. Um, and I think it's because Danny McBride, people know, is Kenny Powers on Eastbound and Down. And he's so he is that character, right? He's so good at that that if you've watched it, it's so hard, I think, to see him just in anything else. And I'll be like, Kenny Powers. You right. Know? He's just so good. Um, and so I think it takes a while for your brain to switch. that He's like this different character. But the casting of Ratchet Gemstones could not be better. I mean, it's yeah, just so it's great. good. You uh, have John Goodman is the dad. And then like the Danny McBride's the oldest brother. Um, Adam Devine is the uh, from Workaholics youngest. is the youngest. And then I don't know the I'm woman's looking name her up right now. Uh, who's the sister, but she steals the whole show. Um, really makes my bird twitch. <laughs> and her quotes are definitely the best. Um, let's see. Her name is I'm looking at the cast. Eddie Patterson. Yeah, EDI. She, she is. She is super good. And um, this season, man, they had a few other people that are uh, Eric Andre, I think is new to season two he's the other preacher from texas and so like they just have such a good cast and they're so funny the first season i highly recommend like it starts off with the end of the first episode is so crazy and intense that you're like holy shit you know and it's i love and that's what danny mcbride does over the top humor yeah danny mcbride does this thing in all of his shit where it's like it's just a normal comedy then all of a sudden some crazy action thing happens and you're like holy fuck and that just has one of those moments and uh and it ends that way too yeah and it ends that way and in this last episode of the season right so it's just really good um this season second season they're fo- focusing on john goodman's background backstory or whatever some more which is fun and then who is that who comes it's the guy's really famous uh his, his old his old friend yeah i'm not sure who the actor is let's see i don't even know the name of the guy on the show yeah we'll have to mickey maybe it's hard to remember um so anyway ratchet jim sounds very good um that's what i'm you know be really really into at the moment and then of course we have two seasons left of the office on the dvd so it's taken about a year when you're going on the dvd and not streaming 
It's a little slower. Well, we didn't mention him, but um, season one has Walton. Oh, yeah. The guy from um, Justified and Five Principles. Yeah, I believe so. And I'm not sure. I, I don't know who the new guy is, but yeah, it has a really good cast. Yeah. I mean, one of the best. Oh, I guess someone we didn't mention on here is Succession. I don't know if that if that was in November or after, but. Oh, yeah. We watched the season. latest season. I think that was since I've been on. And it, it wasn't. I mean, it was good, but it wasn't as good as the first two. Right. Or maybe we just were tired of it. I don't know. There's something about it. It just did not hit the way the first two did. No. And part of it is because Kendall is just doing his own thing and he's not really with the family. And, and I, I kind of enjoyed Kendall's personality in this season, but just, I don't know, the show just didn't have a lot. I don't know. There's something about it that I was like, I'm over it. <laughs> but you think that the rift in the family is going to, and I don't know if I'm spoiling anything. I mean, if you care about season three, then you've probably right. already watched them. But like, I just think it's interesting that there was no resolution to that season. Right. But maybe the whole idea is that next season there will be, you know, I don't know. It's just nothing happened. Yeah, it was. I just really liked the first two. I think maybe that's the only thing that was just so hot for season three. Yeah. And then by episode three of the third season, you're like, all maybe right, this what, is where it's going to take What are we going to do? What yeah. are we doing? It was like when we loved season one or just, I guess, the first round of, um, is it True Detective? Yeah. And then we just so disappointed by season two. We didn't even get into it. Yep. And granted, those are very different because it's set up as a whole separate thing. But it's what it really kind of stinks when you're really into something and then it comes out and you're like, oh, yeah, I mean, to me, the all time. And it's only Argo because they did uh, that too. Was, see, I thought that we could probably get in a season four. We, uh, we, we didn't need give to go it a back shot. and give Fargo four a chance. We just watched one episode. Um, but to me, Game of Thrones game, there will never be anything as bad as what they did to Game of Thrones. Yeah. And season I, one is great. I would say up through season four, if I remember correctly, is pretty good. The ones where they follow the books, like they're actually following the books and it's pretty spot on. And then as soon as they get ahead of it, uh, it just kind of goes all. George R. R. Martin's fault. We'll it blame is. him. It really is. Um, and the other two guys that are running the show because they wanted to get hurry up and get done with the show so they could move on to that Confederate TV show that ended up getting canceled. Yeah, because nobody wants to watch about the Confederacy. Yeah. And so... Um, very odd, very odd choice there. But they kind of just rushed along, and it's—I don't know—it's so horrible. I just—I keep seeing too many more memes because I'm a member of all these groups that are like, "Hey, remember when they fucked up this?" And I'm like, "God damn it, they did fuck this <laughs> up!" Like, it yeah, just opens you, the. You wound. were a true fan. You read all the books before. I mean, you watched season one, and then you got the books. Yeah, and then you read them very quickly. What was available? Yep. At, um, and then the show like you said, it was cool for a few years and we used to tune in every Sunday. We, we, I mean, we did even up until the end, right? but yeah, it wasn't as exciting. But at the end it was like, after the end, like let's bitch about everything that's yeah. fucked up and turn into something different. And the I, battle of the bastards will forever be one of the best scenes though. Yeah, that was good. I mean, I could tell everyone the moment it left, it ruined it for me is when the sept blows up. So if anyone remembers that scene, that is when I was like, Oh, this is fucked. I don't know. Just some they, that would never happen in the book. I remember even telling you, I'd like, they would never do this in the book. Yep. And I was like, so fucking you had, pissed you about You already it. knew like the better alternative. Yeah. I was like, they should have done this, this and this. Yeah. And I I got real nerd about it, but now it has ruined it. I don't even care about this prequel series that everyone keeps topping up. I'm going to give a fuck. Wait till it's done. Then I'll watch it. Oh, I'm not going to jump on board. Right. Cause it's probably going to turn shitty. We also have plans to watch station 11 soon. Yeah, I, I'm going to read, read the, book. the book. I have 
plan. I have it. I have plans to read it in the next month. And then I know it's divisive online. If part some, of me, half was, people love it, and half people hate it. I wonder show. if they're book lovers versus show lovers. I don't know. But I felt like once um, well, most all finished, then uh, they would watch it. Issue from what I understand is that it's based after a pandemic. You know, and so well, yeah, I mean that's but that's the plot of the book, right? And people are like, we don't care about that. And it's like this has been a development since before COVID yeah. happened. Like, I mean, they couldn't. Have- well, the book has tons of awards. I didn't even know about it until right. you mentioned the show, and then you were like, I think it's based on a book or something. You you put it on my radar, right? And so I looked it up immediately and saw that it had so much great like clout in the literary world. So I was excited to give it a chance. So. But yeah, I don't. Th- I guess maybe they didn't know what they were getting into when they started the show. Right. Wayne, well, I love the actress. We've locked her in uh, Halt and Catch, Catch Fire. Fire. And so since then, I'm going to probably be a fan of hers for. for yeah, in case she plays Cameron Howell in Halt and Catch Fire, which, which is, is an AMC show. Great show. People out there. We loved that one. Um, but also, the only thing I've left on this is I'm probably going to give up, like I mentioned, Bob's Burgers, but also Goldberg's. I don't know if we'll ever be able no. to finish that. They really should have ended that a couple of seasons ago. Once Adam c- kind of grew up, it wasn't cute anymore. Right. And then fresh off the boat, I've never finished either. I used to love that show for a minute and then I just can't can't finish it. So. Interesting. I don't know why you got irritated with same, it. Same same issue as oh, Goldberg's. You just, the kid growing up. Yeah, his voice is different. Fun. And then the little kids are the best part, but they're I don't know. You can't keep I understand you can't keep them that age forever, but you're like, ah, oh, just not as fun. Yeah. It's just not as good. Well, and then on Goldberg's, we also just got it was kind of like with Adam and the, or not Adam, is that his name? Barry. Barry and Erica. Erica were just so annoying. Every episode, yeah. Their same storyline. Yeah, we just really couldn't stand another Erica Barry episode. So we'll see if we stick with Hulu because we're losing all the Hulu shows, I feel like. Mm-hmm. I try to watch Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Uh, I want to try to catch one that someday, but there's just so many episodes. Yeah, it's it had a long course. Yeah. But we've talked about Showtime. I yeah, don't know if we'll, if we'll get it or not. But They got Dexter. I think uh, I could definitely get down on some Showtime shows. Yeah, they have a few others we've actually seen recently. And they also have We're Down Up Here, which is a show I wanted to watch as a stand-up show. Uh, so we probably will get it. I might cancel some stuff, and then we'll get Showtime. And yeah, right. we gotta got to watch the final season of Dexter. I heard it's actually good. So Yeah, we did love Dexter yeah. until season, the last season. <laughs> I didn't hate it. See, I, did, I, I, I remember, remember not caring at all about him and Deb, and I really just... Was that the last season or next last? All I know is that the finale, people hated it, and I only know this because I've seen people tweet about it recently, and I remember it ended, and it was like, he lives in Oregon now, and, uh, and is a lumberjack, and I was like, that's fine, but people got so pissed at how it ended the first time, and I remember being like, that's a perfect ending. Yeah, I, I don't, don't remember not liking the ending. I remember finding this season with Jessica... Is it Jessica Styles? Julia Styles. Julia Styles. She's kind of boring. And I really like her, but her season was kind of boring. I don't remember if she was on or not. I know she the girl from Chuck. Yeah. And the then girl she from was, Chuck was on it and she was good. Well, Julia Styles was a victim. Ah, uh, okay. And then the girl from Chuck was like his lover. Yeah. And she was creepy plant lady. But it lady. worked. She and was the they, creepy plant lady, I yeah, think. Yeah. So anyway, Dexter was great. So recommend that one if y'all haven't seen it. Um, but all right. I say we call this one good and maybe you'll be on in a couple months or whatever. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'll come on every month, but I'll come back on at some point. Cool. All right. Well, we'll good get- luck getting all your stuff done today. Thanks. I've got lots to do. All right. Peace.